Somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. From Hall. The place is at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon. the great college basketball venues in the nation, UD Arena. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball, always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back. We're here. We're live. Welcome back to the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans such as yourself. Even in the summer series, we're still top of the charts. I'm your host, Sully, coming to you. It's been a hell of an offseason for this show, and we like to break it up smack in the middle of Dayton Flyers offseason to give you some news about the TBT. It's been three good months since I have sat down behind the microphone to give you some news about the Dayton Flyers, so I decided to dust it off in honor of the TBT bracket reveal and get back into it. TBT coming up July 24th. You'll hear me say that date a bunch of times over the next month. We're going to have an episode a week leading up to Dayton's game, which we now know is at 3 p.m. Eastern at the arena. We kind of already knew it was going to be an arena against the city team. I don't recognize many names on that roster, but Joey Gruden coming up later on the show tells me that you should recognize at least one. Before we get into TBT conversation, there has been updates about our Dayton Flyers since I last came to you, and God, I hope so, because it's been three months, but since our last conversation, uh, we've had some scheduling updates, we have had players uh, hitting the portal, to no one's surprise, players transferring to schools that were very surprising, um, and we have had the players hit campus for summer practices Uh, which are still ongoing right now. Uh, The most important news, however, and it is the most important news every single offseason, is scheduling. Scheduling has been going on behind the scenes since I left you in March, and it often does uh, go until about August-ish, sometimes until Labor Day weekend for us Dayton Flyers fans. So I'll start there tonight. Scheduling is one of the things that I love following the most in the offseason because it gives us our first glimpse at uh, the schedule itself, right? And I mean more specifically, are we going to have a game a couple days before Christmas? Is that a weekend game? Uh, What are our road trips? Are those on weekends? What kind of Friday, Saturday games do we have at the arena? Those things always seem very exciting in the summertime when we have no other basketball news going on. And then you add in the layer of how important non-con scheduling has become to this program specifically. 
Uh, we, as Dayton fans, I think often talk about scheduling to the degree that we do because out of all the 358 programs now that are in Division I, uh, I would say Dayton is in the top 10%, maybe even 5% of schools where it matters the most. You could even really nail me down to say that you would be hard-pressed to name 20 schools that scheduling in the non-conference matters to as much as the Dayton Flyers. And I know you might sit there and ask yourself why, or you might know the answer to that question already, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. You know, one of the reasons that the scheduling conversation matters so much to Dayton Flyers fans here in the offseason is because the opportunities for great wins are extremely limited. And as you saw last season, the room for error is extremely small uh, for losses in the non-conference. Now, UD has taken kind of a different, maybe a more aggressive strategy this year to scheduling. But there's always a couple of ways that we can look at these games. I know that people want more home games, better home games. I include myself in that grouping of people. But at the end of the day, all I want are, is Dayton to have a navigable path to get an at-large berth. And you saw last year that the non-conference ended up being good enough for Dayton to secure a non-conference bid. All they had to do was not lose the bye games. They obviously didn't do that, and they missed the tournament. But the margin of error is razor thin. And because that margin of error is so razor thin, you have to go out and win games like Kansas in these exempt tournaments to make up for losses that then double down and triple down on that margin of error being razor thin. So this year, what we have now is, uh, and what we've seen so far from the scheduling machine, is that Dayton's gotten fairly aggressive out of the gate, and they're basically leaving their buy game dates kind of up in the air, because I'm guessing, I don't have any inside information to this, but I'm guessing the athletic department knows that if they wave a big fat check in front of a small school and say, hey, you got to drive up here two days notice, uh they're probably going to do it. So you leave those dates open and you try to get bigger fish onto your schedule and bigger fish. Dayton has gotten to their credit. The non-con schedule is actually shaping up quite nicely for Dayton. If they add one more big game to the slate, I think it'll be an exceptional schedule. One of the better ones that we've seen probably over the last seven or eight years here, which is saying something for the program. Digging into this uh, just briefly before we get to T TBT talk, right now what we know is that Dayton's going to have four games before they go to Atlantis. Uh, they have Friday, November 11th is going to be a home game against SMU, and then the following Tuesday... They will go and play in Las Vegas against UNLV before coming home the following Saturday and playing a bye game that I sure hope they don't lose against Robert Morris at the arena before setting sail to Atlantis in the Bahamas. Uh, the one game that we don't know about, the season is supposed to start on Tuesday, November 8th. Um, if I'm a betting man, if you're a betting man, that's probably when Dayton's first game is going to be, even though we don't know the opponent yet. So to be determined who the Flyers would play on that Tuesday, November 8th home opener. But I'm going to bet uh, that it's going to be a bye game against a, a team where Dayton can kind of get right. Um, not that that worked out last year, but of course the team is going to be a year more experienced 
and have that uh, brutal three-game stretch from last year in the back of their minds when the season starts in November. So after those four games, Battle of Atlantis, uh, that starts the day before Thanksgiving and then runs through uh, that Friday or Saturday, I believe, down in the Bahamas, actually overlapping the World Cup this upcoming year, which will be super weird to see football, college basketball, and soccer all on at the same time uh, for your Turkey Day with your families. Uh, after they get home from Atlantis, what we know right now is that Dayton's going to play Western Michigan right away. It's going to be the following Wednesday at home. Uh, historically, Dayton always does this. They play someone who is a lesser foe um, that week after they get back from the exempt tournaments. If you remember from 2020, I think they played Houston Baptist. Uh, last year, they, they had a mop-up game as well. Yeah, that's pretty par for the course for the scheduling. Uh, for UD in historical seasons. Um, and then from there, uh, you got to fit in uh, Virginia Tech somewhere. So I'm going to guess that between December 3rd and December 10th, somewhere in that week right there, you're going to see the Virginia Tech game pop up on the schedule. UD has to go to Blacksburg this year. Should be a great game. Uh, again, Virginia Tech coming off of uh, that tournament bid where they uh, snuck in right there uh, at the, the last minute. Uh, last minute, last seed rather, one of the last seeds uh, as an 11 seed and then lost to Texas in the first round. But they snuck in um, by winning the ACC tournament and getting hot right there towards the end of the year. Uh, that should be a pretty good game. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech's going to want to avenge a loss at Dayton from this past season. Um, aside from that, I have the right to be skeptical of the other two games at this particular juncture. Um, SMU is losing the bulk of their roster, including one of the best players in the country, Kendrick Davis. Um, so they're going to be starting from scratch. They started five seniors pretty much all last year. I have no idea what to expect from that team. Uh, I, you know, they typically are going to end between 50 and 100. That's what you've seen from the SMU program over the last few years here. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd be pretty hard-pressed to tell you what exactly you're going to see from SMU uh, once we see them in the second game of the year. I don't even think they're fans. Um, if they you know have diehard basketball fans, I don't know if their basketball fans would know what to expect from the Mustangs either. Um, UNLV, another curious case. They were pretty mediocre last year. If you haven't looked into this yet, and I'm giving you all this news for the first time, UNLV finished up at 18 and 14 last year. They lost their first game in the Mountain West tournament. They were 10 and 8 in the conference, uh, and their best win was against San Francisco, uh, San Diego. So best wins, sorry, were San Francisco, San Diego State, and. Um, I'm, they're losing those games. You can tell I need to, to dust off the, the microphone. Um, all those games were losses. Their best win of last year was Colorado State, who they beat twice. Um, but again, they had a lineup that was four seniors out of five. So I'm not really sure what we're going to get with UNLV either. For my money, I think UD's probably taking a chance playing uh, this game in Vegas because they have a feeling that UNLV might be better on the return trip to Dayton. But this feels to me uh, kind of like a wake-up game for the team and saying, hey, it's not going to be a tough road game, uh, but it'll be a tougher game than playing Western Michigan at home or playing Robert Morris at home. So I, I don't hate that we scheduled this UNLV game. It's pretty cool that the Flyers get to go to Vegas. Unfortunate for the fans that it's going to be on a Tuesday. But... 
again, it's better than playing a mop-up team at home. It'll give the team a little bit better experience before they get to the Bahamas because it'll probably be a quiet gym in Vegas. You're probably going to, you know, if again, if I'm a betting man, you're probably playing a mediocre UNLV team. Um, and so that's a game that the Flyers are going to go uh, to the Thomas and Mack Center expecting to win. And, um, you know, as you've seen from if you follow my Twitter or if you do follow the Dayton Flyers basketball team in any capacity, uh, this is expected to be a top 25 team. And you can see now the, the long story here that I, that I can summarize is that with UD scheduling SMU, UNLV, you know, we have to go to Virginia Tech, SMU. Um, obviously, they're putting the home and home back on the calendar. And then the neutral game against Wyoming in Chicago, the athletic department is scheduling like this should be a top 25 team. They are scheduling for this team like they have high expectations. And that's pretty much all we've been asking in Dayton land is that let's have the non-conference schedule meet the expectations of the team. We've seen everywhere that everybody has Dayton in the top 25 in their preseason polls, and that will continue into the fall and into November. And the athletic department is scheduling like they also have those expectations because we hear year in and year out that the expectation at Dayton is to play for conference championships and to get at large bursts. And I think right now, as of this day of our Lord that we're doing the recording, I think that the athletic department is putting the team in a position to capitalize, get some good wins, and earn that at-large berth. Um, it didn't touch on Wyoming. We will, uh, you know, further on in the summer series as the season gets closer. But that's going to be the marquee game for Dayton. Um, going to Chicago, it'll be a quiet United Center that'll mostly be filled with Flyer fans. Um, you know, it's as loud as three or 4,000 people can possibly be in the United Center that fits 18,000. Um but you're, you're looking at a Wyoming team that went to the NCAA tournament, lost to Indiana in the first round as a 12 seed, and they're bringing back most of their production from that team. They're probably going to be expected to win uh, the Mountain West or at least place in the top two with San Diego State. Uh, that's going to be a tough game for UD. And you've seen, obviously, that the A-10 and Mountain West are starting to match their teams up a little bit more, given that UNLV uh, and Wyoming are now on the schedule. So I'm all for it. I like the A-10 and the Mountain West matching up. Um, and for years to come, they're conferences with similar plights. They're in similar situations. And they tend to be a little bit top-heavy from year to year. Uh, Mountain West is a little bit more deep than the A-10 was this past year. But by and large, um, you know, they have their terrible teams. The middle is muddling, and then it's it's ended up being top-heavy. So Dayton has skewed more towards the teams towards the top, keeping it top-heavy in previous years. And obviously, we all think that that's going to continue into the future uh, with Anthony Grant and company. So that's enough about our scheduling talk. Uh, you know, I wanted to keep the episode short tonight as we dive in for the first, you know, big kind of episode or reappearance as the summer rolls on. We love to get the TBT guys together uh, and see what they've been doing. I know Ryan Mikesell has had a hell of a year in Germany and got promoted, promoted, if you will. Uh, he got picked up into a better league, I believe, in France. Um, you know, Scoochie Smith is going to be back on campus playing for the TBT. Joey had a little bit to say about that. 
and then guys like uh, Trey Landers, Josh Cunningham, uh, Daryl Davis going to be back on the roster again. V. Sanford, uh, another one of the UD guys that's going to be on the roster. So it's always a great homecoming. Uh, I mentioned to Joey here later on in the interview that it feels like basketball is kind of alumni weekend where they get to come back on campus. Uh, you know, train on campus. And then finally this year, they get to play in front of the home fans. Um, a couple of things that you'll hear in the uh, interview is uh, if you come out and buy a ticket to TBT, you're directly putting money in these guys' pockets. So if you want to support them and you're entertained by them playing basketball, come on out and see the TBT. Like I said, we're going to mention this date a whole lot more moving forward. But July 24th is the date uh, when the TBT is back. So always great to catch up with Joey Gruden um, and these guys in general. Next week, we'll have uh, Nick Elam, the inventor of the Elam ending, of course, Dayton graduate. And then Jeremiah Bonsu will be joining us next week as well. Going to try to put out one show per week until the TBT gets here, kind of previewing things. And um, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, as you should be as well. Uh, one guy that I did forget, and I can't believe it because he has been a guest of the show as well, Dayton uh, graduate Jordan Seibert, also on the team, Red Scare. Uh, that's all I got for you. Enjoy the interview with Joey Gruden. I'll try to get you out here in a reasonable time today, uh, but we're back. It's a summer series of Talking Out Loud, and it's fantastic that you could join us. So uh, here's a one-on-one with Joey Gruden, unfortunately, from his car. We're not going to hold it against him. Coming right up. As I dust off the microphone here for talking out loud, it's best if I have a guest join me, especially to flesh out the TBT, which is coming up here in July at our very own UD Arena. And who better to discuss the TBT than none other than the coach himself, Joey, don't call me Buckets Gruden. He is joining me now, I believe, from the car somewhere um, in these United States. Joey, it's been a year since we caught up, I believe. How you doing, man? How are things? And uh, how's how's the summer treating you? I'm doing good, man. It's good to be back on the show, and I'm excited for TBT basketball. And you know, I'm glad you're dusting the cobwebs off again. Yeah, I had to. This is when I get uh, back in the saddle a little bit for the summertime, so we can talk some Dayton hoops. And I think a lot of people, to be honest with you, they kind of need it. Um, we're in the dog days of summer. Uh, the guardians don't call them Indians anymore. No good. The reds are no good. My Pittsburgh pirates are a little bit young and exciting, but you can see where I'm going with this. There's not a whole lot of sports to fill the calendar once July comes around. And especially with the world cup being pushed out to Thanksgiving the way that it was. So, you know, I've talked with a lot of people about this. And I think we've discussed it over the years, but the TBT tournament, I think that was the number one goal, right? Is that there's this void being filled in the middle of the summertime and especially among the guys that you have on the team, right? Like there's not a whole lot going on in the month of July. Otherwise. Definitely. I think they hit a, a perfect little spot in time right after summer league. You know, there's not a whole lot of sports going on. Like you said, they get on ESPN because there's nothing going on. So they did a good job with the timing for sure. So talk to fans about the thing we all want to know about. Um, they have been wanting to have it at Dayton with the Dayton team forever. Last year, they had the finals at, at UD Arena. 
Um, Red Scare didn't make it that far. Not that we're here to talk some crap and throw shade, just the facts. So this year, everybody's really excited that the first game gets to be right at UD Arena and you guys are playing in it. Walk us through kind of how that came about. I mean, did TBT approach you and say, hey, we're going to get you a game at home no matter what? Um, I have to imagine it was kind of a mixture of things because the games at Wichita did so well. I think Marshall had a team down in Charleston, West Virginia over the years. It's done well. Um, was it kind of the same conversation with you guys to just say, hey, we need to get you on your home court? Definitely. I think, you know, after year one and two, seeing the fans come out to Columbus, um, they were really excited and loved our turnout. That's kind of why they hosted the championship. Obviously, we wanted to get there, but, you know, it's tough. So I, I kind of pushed them a little more saying, you know, we got to get a home game some way, some shape. And they kind of agreed and it, it worked out great. And I think it's going to be, you know, a great event. Have you been surprised over the last few years of how difficult it is to navigate through a single elimination tournament? Definitely. Um, last year was uh, it was humbling in a way, you know, I think I kind of took for granted the first couple of years we were so successful. And then you realize how hard it is to win, especially this tournament. It, it, the talent gets so much better year in and year out. It's it's crazy. I'm like, dang, I don't want to play them. I don't want to play them. And it's like, all right, you guys, you got to play everyone. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I play somebody. Out, talent's getting really good for sure. Yeah. And I have kind of noticed that as well. Right. Like there's um, what former collegiate stars, guys that have been playing pro ball in Europe for years. Um has that kind of been surprising as well that the talent has kind of gotten better each year? And I know that, you know, you want to stack the team with guys that are around Dayton, but has that kind of forced um, you to look elsewhere and see who else can help you because of that? Because I mean, I guess what now that we're in, uh, is this year three or year four? Remind me you're four. This is year four. Yeah. Yeah. You're four. Um, you guys have kind of had a healthy mix now of Dayton guys and non-Dayton guys. Can you just chalk that up to the competition getting a little bit stiffer and I guess guys availability, right? Definitely. Yeah, that's that's a huge part. Obviously, I want to get 10 Dayton guys, but, you know, as everyone knows, Dayton doesn't produce a whole lot of seven footers. So those are hard to find. So <laughs> well, not until can... now, right? <laughs> yeah, until now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you got to think back to year one when we did this, we had you know, six guys. And then we had Ryan Bruns, if anyone remembers that name, coming off the bench, he was a division three average player. And yeah. that was our seventh man. And now we got, you know, 10 really, really good players. So like you said, each year is getting better and better. And I do try to find that good mix of, you know, seven or eight date guys and adding a couple guys who can come in and, and, you know, make a good impact because those guys are important, obviously. And with the talent level and Find a guy like Kosa Kufis and Joe Thomason and TJ Walker. I think it's it's important for us. When you talk about the the competition and you know you win a game here, win a game there, you get into those later rounds. Why do you think it is so hard to navigate? Is it the Elam ending? Is it guys playing for money? Is it pride? I mean, it, it's basketball at the end of the day, but you're absolutely right. And it comes through on the television that the games just get a lot more heated in those last 10 minutes. And you know, I'm, I was kind of curious your take on the floor. I mean, what do you chalk that up to, you know, and where guys pull that motivation from? Because I would think it'd be, you know, we can make some money if we win this whole thing, right? Yeah, it's definitely a big part of it. And the, the one and done is definitely also a big part of it. Like, you know, you're, you're almost walking on eggshells every game. You got to really go out there and compete or you're done. And you just wasted a whole year of preparing and all that good stuff. Um, you know, last year it felt like we never even played. We played one game and then lost second round. And it's like yeah. it was over. So I think that's a big part of it. And then, like you said, the second half, you can definitely feel 
a competition rise and, and you know the the butterflies turning a little more than the Elon Minning hits and that's a totally different beast um, we've been on the good side of that and the bad side um, if you guys remember Illinois we we're up like 22 points and they cut yeah. it to like four or five and I, right. I felt everyone sweating on the sidelines so it's definitely a different beast um, but I think year four going into it will be you know ready more ready than ever didn't Kyle Davis have a really funny quote about that game when he said, he said, I went into the huddle and told everybody we got to end this shit. Quit fucking yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did say that. I do remember that. <laughs> uh, what, what have you learned? I mean, I know you, you've kind of touched on a little bit of it, but coaching year one and, and being part of it for the first time uh, to now, I mean, I guess, if you were to tell year one, Joey, uh, a message about how to navigate the TBT, I mean, what would that message be now that you, you have some experience under your belt? I think, you know, it's depth is very important, which I, I didn't realize, you know, I'm like, it's just a tournament. They're, they're going to play a game. They'll be done. They'll be fine. But like, you know, it's, it's basketball and one guy can have a bad night and you need depth. You need different options. And I think we haven't had that year one and year two, year three, we had a little more, but we just didn't, it didn't go our way. But this year we have like 10 real guys who like I feel like we have two different lineups we could play and be totally fine. Um, I think that's important. Um, I think we have a really good mix of older guys, younger guys this year, which I'm excited about, um, you know, some veterans and then some young, fresh legs. Um, and then, you know, you just need guys who like really love to play, which I realize is important, um, who love to compete and like don't really care about you know stats or the glamour they just love to play basketball and, and just like want to be a part of it and are good people I think that's really important for us this year I'm not saying we've ever had any bad guys but yeah I think I really like our team this year and everyone just seems to be excited to be a part of it and just wants to win which you know like I, I'm gonna tell them and I've been telling them there's no stats in TBT like no one cares you know how many points you average in TBT tournament like yeah. the only thing that matters is winning and walking away with a million dollars so I think this group really understands that. You know, that's that's a really interesting metaphor, I guess, that you could pass along to guys that are going into the NCAA tournament is that, yeah, that, you know, they keep they keep stats in the NCAA tournament, of course. But at the end of the day, no one really cares. You know, it's how you win the games. And I think that uh, you're spot on, man, in in that. Um, I think I, I took two things away that I completely agree. Number one, that there's no stats in TBT. I'm not going to sit here on a podcast and, like, break down the box score. And, oh, my God, can you believe it? 18 minutes and four points? Like, I would never do that for the TBT because it's, it's not like that. And I don't want to do the tournament a disservice by – like minimizing it, but it really is more of a binary game and that there's no style points. There's no analysts talking about like how you lost and the next game you have coming up and how can this team bounce back? It's the great thing about it. And it's also the worst thing because like you said, you have one bad night and then you get bounced. The other thing that I completely agreed with you and I have noticed this over the years, just watching the tournament closely is that depth matters in that you have to throw other looks at the team you're playing, right? Like there have been teams over the years that make runs with five or six guys that are clearly the better players on the floor, but eventually that runs out because those guys want to do certain things time and time again. And they want to go to the well when the game's on the line as opposed to getting that eight or 10 points in the course of the game 
from another lineup or doing something differently or taking a different approach offensively. So your point's well taken there, man, that like two lineups and two different ways to attack teams is probably the best way to go in this tournament because then you just have a bigger bucket and a bigger variety of plays to choose from. And and in return, I mean, it makes your job easier, right? Um, What was that year one you came on the show and I said, what was the hardest part? And you went, Everybody comes to the huddle and they look at you. Is that still the hardest part of coaching out there? <laughs> no, no, that part's a little easier now that I've gotten that experience. <laughs> but no, it's been great. Like you said, now we got, you know, a lot more options and different things I can do. I almost feel like I can't be wrong no matter what I do. Um, you know, it, at the end of the day, like I can coach, me and Bonsu can coach. But at the end of the day, it is it is a player's tournament. I mean, we only have a week of practice. There's only so much we can do as coaches. Um, so at the end of the day, you got to find guys who really love to play, compete, and, and you know who can make plays. Um, so we got a lot of guards this year, which I thought was important. A lot of different guys who can dribble and you know make plays for each other, which we have more this year than we ever had. So that's exciting. I try to focus on that, and, and you know I think everything else will fall into place. Yeah, speaking of things falling into place, um, Scoochie's first year in the TBT. What was going on there? I think a lot of fans were curious behind the scenes of, of what happened to finally get him in. Yeah, Scooch is obviously a close friend of mine. And, you know, we've – the fans who keep telling me, get Scoochie, get Scoochie every year, they must think I'm an idiot for not asking him. <laughs> um, it's not like you're not asking course, him. <laughs> of course I'm asking. But uh, it finally worked out with him. I think timing was just right for him. And, you know, he's further on to his career. Um you know, what? you know, there is a risk of injury. A lot of guys don't want to do it. They don't want to get hurt and walk away with an injury and lose contract money, which I totally get. I'm not oblivious. And, you know, his brother's now back at UD Arena. I think he's just, you know, excited to play and he's seen it get better and better each year. And I think he just wants to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the fans do. I mean, it's going to be an exciting thing for fans. And, you know, speaking of the, the fan support, uh, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention that fan support in the TBT directly um uh it directly translates to support of the team right um i know that there was a revenue split initially going into the tournament but what is that like high level revenue split you guys get a percentage of what ticket sales or, or something along those lines right just for fans showing up to ud arena yeah we're in the actually talks right now with ud hopefully working something like that out but um they're most likely going to give us a percentage of ticket sales um so you know, I'll have the guys start promoting that more, give them more incentive. You know, the more people that come out, the better we do, the better university does. I think it's a win-win for everyone. And hopefully they keep bringing it back. Yeah. And that's, that's why I said it, you know, I would almost be remiss to not mention it because in the TBT, um, your support is directly going to translate in money in your pocket, right? So if you're a fan out there and you say, man, I really enjoyed watching Scoochie and Mike Sell and uh, Trey Landers and Josh Cunningham play, And we have these discussions on the podcast every year about, um, you know, what guys should get paid in college and what's the best way to support them. And now we're having debates about NIL. Well, you know, these guys are still mostly dudes under 30. And here's a way you can support them. You come out, you buy a ticket, you go to the game, um, you enjoy some basketball that you otherwise wouldn't have. And guess what? You're going to put money in their pockets. So I think that is the uh, fairest one for one trade off is that if the TBT entertains you, you can say thank you right back in the form of real American dollars. So, 
I mean, you know, that's important too. Let's be honest. We're in a, a little bit of a capitalist society here where bills need to be paid. And that's why guys come out. Um, and, yeah, let me, know, uh, so like people don't realize this, but there's some teams that are funded by like, you know, millionaire boosters who like they can afford to pay their players. And I'm not going to say team names or anything, but I've heard rumors of players getting paid 25 grand from boosters and stuff. And it's like, we don't have that. And so all the ticket supports and stuff like that is huge fundraising so i definitely appreciate the fans and everything they do for us yeah and that's just another uh another layer of how this all shakes out after college for guys right and why the nil debate rages on in college athletics right now because guys are starting to look at what happens after i leave college and in a, a lot of rare cases right now, I'm sure you've seen this because you're close enough to the college game. I think Drew Timmy is a really good example of Gonzaga coming up this year. That guy's going to stay in school because he's probably going to make more being the center for Gonzaga than he will once he gets out of school. Right. So I think you've kind of seen both sides of the fence where you know how hard it was even five years ago for athletes to make money. But now it's kind of even more complicated and more decisions need to be made after you get out of school of how are you going to make money? And, um, I'm always interested to kind of learn how, how, like, do you even know what percentage of teams is, is the TBT even profitable for? It's got to be low, right? Yeah, definitely low. I know, you know, that's a huge struggle for a lot of teams, especially the newer teams. If you're not like an alumni based team or not playing for a cause, I mean, how are you going to raise your money? You got to have boosters or know some people because it is a lot of money to raise. Like I got to, you know, get everyone a plane ticket or gas money. We know how expensive that can be. Yep. Um, and if you want to practice, you got to find a place to practice for a week and then you got to feed them. So like the price definitely adds up and, you know, it's, it's hard to, that's the hardest part for me is raising the money and, you know, everyone is going through the, the economy now and how it is. And it's like, people aren't willing to donate like they have been in years past. So it's definitely been a challenge. And if you're not a team like us or, you know, a better team has been around, it can definitely be a challenge. Consider that message out there to the Flyer faithful. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a loyal listener of the show and you love Dayton Hoops and you want to get in, in touch with Joey, um, just get in touch with me. I'll link you guys up or you can DM him on Twitter, but don't flood his DMs. I'm not like openly inviting everybody to DM <laughs> Joey Gruden. Um, but if you're out there and you do want to uh, get together with them and donate, those things are always welcome around here and we'd be happy to facilitate it being the generous Dayton Flyers that we are. Uh, wrapping up with Joey Gruden talking TBT and uh, thank you for joining us for the first summer episode we have here on talking out loud as it has been many months since we've got behind the microphone to talk about anything related to Dayton basketball. Last things I wanted to say, Joey, and the reason that we did the episode today was uh, the bracket reveal from the TBT was this morning. I'm speaking on June 22nd episode releasing to you on the 23rd. Uh, do you have a chance to look at the bracket and what happens now? What kind of preparation goes into uh, the next month or so uh, before the games on July 24th at the arena? Yeah, for sure. I definitely watched the entire bracket reveal today and tried to see where we we're going to end up. Um, I was lucky enough to find out yesterday, but had to keep it quiet, obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, you got you got this. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's now I can start, you know, trying to figure out who we're going to play week one or game one, whatever you want to call it. But we're playing a team who hasn't been around in a while. They were in one of the first TBTs, I believe, the city team. Um, their probably biggest name everyone knows is Josh Shelby from, or Josh Shelby from Kansas. Yep. Um, a while back, he's a veteran. But yeah, they got a few NBA veterans, not NBA veterans, but, you know, pros. Uh, Guys have played in the league, yeah. 
are going to be a little bit more challenging than last year's BC Hockey and City game for sure. Uh, and, you know, like you said, and people mentioned in the past, it's one and done. So each game is going to be tough. So we can't take anyone lightly, obviously. And, you know, it's hard to look to round two. But obviously I know who's in our region and who I need to prepare for. Um, but our region's super tough. You got, you know, yeah. TMT, the money team, who's the one seed and well-deserving. You know, they got a couple NBA vets on their team, and they just added Jimmer Forget today. So that's crazy. He'll be in Dayton, Ohio. Um, up there it is wild. Seed. Yeah, so that'll be pretty cool to see Jimmer Fredette play in UD Arena. Um, and then, you know, you got Marquette, who could match up with us second round if we win, which is a rematch of, you know, when we lost them in the Final Four a couple of years back. They're always really good. So you got Purdue in our bracket. You got, you know, Ohio team, Ohio Bobcats. You got a Mid-American Beauty has been around for a while. So there's some really good teams, obviously, in our, our region alone. I mean, that's eight really good teams. And you got to worry about, other teams later if that ever comes so um but you know if you want to be the best you got to beat the best so i'm excited got your work cut out for you that's exactly right um <laughs> that uh the money team uh that was number one seed in the region that uh, joey g just mentioned so not only do they have jimmer for that but they have some names that flyer fans might recognize it'll make them fairly easy to hate early on in the tbt uh they have cyril langevin and Xavier Munford that both played at Rhode Island. And then uh, they also have um, uh, names escaping me right now. Um, I obviously have to pull up the, the Peyton Aldridge, sorry, um, yep. from Davidson as well. So a lot of guys that have scored a lot of points against the Dayton Flyers. And uh, if it came to it and you guys are playing in Dayton, I'm sure that uh, the crowd would find that team quite easy uh, to show a disliking for. Um, as far as practices, how, have you guys uh, met yet? Like got together as a team or are you kind of waiting for guys to get back from overseas? So, yeah, we're kind of waiting a little bit. Uh, we'll start the week before. Um, we'll probably start on Monday or Tuesday and then we don't play till Sunday, which is nice, I guess. Um, so, you know, we'll have a good five, five days and, you know, we get to come back to UD's campus. They're helping us out. The guys will stay in Caldwell, which you're familiar with. We'll go over and practice at the rec once or twice a day. So we'll have a little mini training camp, I like to call it. Um, do kind of the same stuff we did last year with, you know, different tenders throughout the community and fan involvement, which I thought was fun for everyone. Um, I just try to, you know, bring everyone together and, and really have a good time with this and keep it competitive, but also fun and see the bigger picture. Yeah, for sure, man. And, and I know that um, it warms my alumni heart to know that uh, the university gets behind you guys and provides, you know, a place to be because otherwise what you'd be renting hotel rooms and that'll up your budget a little bit. So it's cool that the university reaches out and, and gives you guys, um, you know, a little bit more backing than you wouldn't have otherwise to uh, to come back to town and and put on a show. Right. It's kind of like. Uh, your own little alumni weekend uh, back on campus, right? Just like everybody else has. Exactly. We need a time. It, we need a time it one year where it is alumni weekend. I think that'd be nuts. Yeah, that would be pretty fun. You're right. I just had uh, my alumni weekend was was this year, being my tenth anniversary from graduating UD. I couldn't make oh. it, but it still was sobering knowing it's been ten years uh, since I graduated. So. Um, last thing, Joey, before I let you go, I know that, uh, you said you were 
in uh, involved with the Flight Academy with Chris Wright. Uh, I know there's been a little ambiguity online, social media, uh, just about what the Flight Academy is and does. So before I let you go, I, I wanted to kind of speak some truth to that. Uh, what is the Flight Academy doing around Dayton and, and what's your role in it? What have you been doing with them to, to get involved? Yeah, uh, Chris Wright obviously is a, a great human being and really wants to give back to the community of Dayton. Um, unbelievable guy, just you know, trying to do well for kids in, in the area. Uh, he actually just started breaking ground on a little on a facility, campus, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's got like a three-court facility being built with a turf field, all that good stuff. Um, but, yeah, last year I was the head coach of the, the post-grad basketball team. Um, that was the only team they had last year. Um, so it's kind of like that gap year between high school and college, which is becoming very popular nowadays with, you know, the transfer portal and, and yep. all that good stuff. So kids are getting hurt. Um, these high school athletes, they have nowhere to go. And, you know, back in the day, they would have a ton more opportunities. Um, so it's a great gap year for kids where, you know, they don't have to go to a JUCO. They can kind of stay local. Um, they take classes in Claire, so they're still working towards a degree, but they're not taking – as many classes that waste a year of eligibility. So like if you go to JUCO, you, you know, you take up a year of eligibility or you go to a post-grad in your backyard, you know, play basketball, still kind of be in school, still that school feel, but it's not technically, you know, a college or university. So you're not using a year. And, you know, we traveled around and played some really good teams. We played some high level prep teams in high school and we had the flexibility to play, you know, division two, II, division three JV teams as well, which was a great experience for the kids. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's closer to like a JUCO, as like, I like to call it, uh, most people are familiar with. Um, and this year is bringing in football. They're going to have a football team this year, which is going to be crazy to see. I'm excited to watch that. Um, and he's hoping to build each year um, a little more, um, hopefully to have a high school here in a couple years and, you know, different age levels and try to turn it into like a, a little um, IMG, you know, as most people know, or. Sure. Something sure. along those lines. But, you know, we did a great job year one and I hope it keeps building and keeps growing. Um, he's doing a great job and, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow him forever. So you're learning things about being a coach, not only in TBT, but in the broader spectrum is what you're telling me, Joey. That's exactly what I'm telling you. I got more experience this year. I'll be better than ever. <laughs> That's what we like to hear, man. Well, uh, it's a pleasure to get together. I know we get to do it uh, a little bit here and there, but mostly in the summer when TBT is coming up. So um, we'll have many reminders, but this is just the first one, July 24th, 3 p.m. Eastern at the arena. Red Scare taking on the city team in the first round of the TBT. Joey, always a pleasure, man. Uh, we'll do it again soon. No doubt about it. For sure. It's always fun to be on this show and I'm super hyper TBT. I hope everyone else is. Yeah, man. I'm interested to see how many people we get out for the arena. So we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Take it easy. So that's it. That's our show for tonight. Episode one of talking out loud in the books. I thank Joey Gruden for coming on and uh, knocking out this first one with me as we ease our way back into the summer series. Next week, you can expect Nick Elam, Dayton graduate, and Jeremiah Bonsu, also a Dayton graduate, uh, on the show to uh, talk more TBT because that's this time of the year, June, July. We're getting back into it. Our guys are coming back to campus uh, to play TBT, and we are here to talk about it. Uh, taking you out of the song tonight, uh, this is kind of funny. I was walking through the airport this afternoon right before I got home to record and uh, I always like to have kind of a bouncy song when I get off the plane you know because you got to walk pretty far so I like something a little bit more upbeat and uh, by happenstance the Matchbox 20 how far we've come came on 
And uh, then I got to thinking that that was a perfect song for today because it has been quite a distance that this team has come from year one when we watched in the TBT to what we were getting ready for and uh, planning in our very own arena uh, on Edwin C. Moses Boulevard. So here it is, Matchbox 20, how far we've come. I'll catch you next week. I'm Sully. This is Talking Out Loud. And you know there's two rules. Wear red. Be loud. We'll catch you next time. Waking up at the start of the end of the world But it's feeling just like every other morning before Now I wonder what my life is gonna mean if it's gone The cars are moving like a half a mile an hour And I started staring at the passengers and waving goodbye Can you tell me what was ever really special about me all this time? But I believe the world is burning to the ground